Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The troll fishery for chum salmon in Sitka Sound has gone from looking pretty dismal to record-setting almost overnight. A surge of hatchery-produced fall chum has been pushing catch rates for trollers into numbers normally seen by the net fisheries. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The troll catch for chum in Sitka Sound hit a new record on Friday, August 27th, with almost half a million fish, about 50,000 more than the old record set in 2013, and the fishing isn't over yet. Even more extraordinary is the turnaround in chum this year from zero to hero. June and July were bad, and then... Early to, to mid part of August, all of a sudden they just started hitting the, really hitting the hooks for the trollers. That's what the first indication was. Scott Wagner is the general manager of the Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association, a nonprofit hatchery based in Sitka. Although Ensara is nonprofit, the payday for the fleet has been significant, especially when you add in the chum harvest from Crawfish Inlet about 20 miles to the south. 158 permit holders have been landing anywhere between 200 and 600 fish per day. At around $1.15 per pound and a six-pound average, that totals over $4.6 million. This is the kind of volume more typical of purse saners, whose bigger boats and large nets scoop up fish by the hundreds. Trollers are hook-and-line boats that catch salmon one at a time, and Wagner says they were doing generally better out in Sitka Sound than saners, which concentrate their effort in the bays near the release sites. Despite the large numbers, it's still fishing, and not all gear groups saw the same success. Wagner says that gill netters appear to have missed the boat this year. No, unfortunately for them, they have not had a good year at Deep Inlet. Um, trollers are having really good interception. The few times when you have the right weather, wind conditions to push them into the inlet, they they were not you know, in, in, in the right place at the right time to catch them, and, and those went to the same fleet. Ensarah Chum have made headlines before. In 2018, the first year of the Crawfish Inlet Project, there was a return of 3.4 million fish, a staggering success rate for a release of 20 million fry just three years earlier. The composition of this year's big return is also mostly three-year-olds, and Wagner is unsure why. Ensarah has traditionally based its forecast models on four-year-old chum, the prevailing theory on these swings in abundance is warming ocean temperatures. You know, I think what we're seeing is the impacts of that that blob, that you know, the heat wave blob that hit the Gulf 16 through 18. You know, those impacts really linger for several years, and we're just now seeing more reports that the the plankton makeup in the Gulf is just now rebounded from from the shift that happened during those warm years. A striking comparison can be found in the 2020 season in Deep Inlet when only 700,000 fish total returned on a release of 55 million fry. Even on a good run like this year's in Sitka Sound, success isn't uniform and can even be mysterious. About twice as many of the chum being caught right now are headed back to the Medvigie Hatchery in Bear Cove, although less than half as many fry were released there than at Deep Inlet. The two release sites are only 12 miles apart by water. As much as is known about rearing salmon, Wagner says there's a lot of uncertainty. There is a lot of 
thought process and research and science in it, but it's a giant black box out there that you dump everything into, see what comes out. Ensarat wrapped up its cost recovery fishing on August 25th, where it harvests and sells enough salmon to cover the expenses of hatchery operations. The Department of Fish and Game opened Crawfish Inlet to common property seining on August 26th in order to minimize the straying of hatchery-produced chum into streams that already support wild stocks. Saining will remain open until September 24th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Three days into the school year, Ketchikan High School is closed after reporting cases of COVID-19. The school sent students home mid-morning on Monday. It was the first day of full-capacity in-person instruction. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, high school students aren't expected to return until Wednesday at the earliest, and it's not the only school sending students home. Classes started Thursday in Ketchikan with classrooms at half capacity for orientation. On Friday, the district reported its first COVID-19 cases of the year, one at Schoenbar Middle School and one at Ketchikan High School. Two more positives were reported among people associated with the high school on Sunday. Ketchikan High School Principal Jason House sent an email to parents at 10.47 a.m. Monday saying that more COVID-19 cases had been discovered and that students would be sent home immediately. Superintendent Melissa Johnson told KRBD Monday that Ketchikan High School has uncovered six new cases of COVID-19 since Friday, and a majority are believed to have been at school while infectious. She says the cases appear to be unrelated, which poses a greater risk to the school that makes it harder to isolate the infections. Johnson says the district decided to temporarily shutter the school to allow time for contact tracing in line with its plans. She said Monday that it's too early to know how many students will have to quarantine. The superintendent said some other schools had seen isolated cases that did not require full school closures under the district's plan. But Ketchikan Charter School's principal told KRBD Monday that the school's 6th, 7th, and 8th graders were sent home less than two hours after they arrived. Principal Kayla Livingston said the school was notified early Monday morning that someone associated with the school had tested positive over the weekend. Exactly when Ketchikan Charter School students can return to classes depends on whether they've been fully vaccinated, Livingston said in a letter posted on the school's website. Vaccinated students were told they could return Tuesday. Unvaccinated students were told they would need to be tested or quarantined. Ketchikan's school district requires masks and bans visitors during large COVID-19 outbreaks in the community. But unlike last year, students are learning in person, regardless of the number of confirmed cases in the community. The school district's plan doesn't allow for cuts to school capacity or large-scale remote learning during outbreaks, as it did last year. In recent weeks, Ketchikan has broken records for new COVID-19 cases, the number of active cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in a surge fueled by the Delta variant. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Wrangell's Assembly plans to hire a second-in-command to help run local government. The addition of a position that could pay as much as $120,000 a year has received some criticism, but elected officials say the administration needs more hands on deck. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Wrangell Mayor Steve Prasunka says there are a lot of big projects in town that need borough manager Lisa Von Bargen's attention and guidance. And she's just one person. Water treatment, water infrastructure, the delivery system, the dams, the reservoirs, our uh, failing building at our utility at our, our electrical plant, all this stuff was kicked down the road. Most of this we knew was a problem. 15 years ago, and nobody dealt with it because nobody wanted to do or had the time to deal with it. 
So now we're at a point where we have to deal with this stuff. The idea is to hire a deputy borough manager to function as the manager's right hand. They'll be in a higher administrative position than other department heads like those running the electric grid or water system, but they'll still report to the manager. The mayor says in addition to the massive workload of managing the borough, having a deputy will give the community a safety net to help keep things moving and maintain relationships if the manager has to step away. We have to be able to fill that gap in the meantime with somebody who, if they have to pick up the projects that she's stopping or she's not in charge of, they have to be in tune to keep those going. Because the future for the community is the ability to work with partnering agencies and, and get things across the finish line. Prasanka acknowledges that the Assembly received a letter of complaint alleging that this position amounts to governmental bloat and would be an unnecessary burden on Wrangell's taxpayers. But Prasanka says that a priority of the Assembly was to make sure this position wouldn't add to the cost of governing. There's going to be some opportunities for restructure through basically people, you know, employees retiring that will keep this cost, uh, you know, to a zero and we may even see some savings in the long run because of reorganizing. Prasanka also says it's been the assembly behind this initiative, not the manager. If anything, Lisa's been worried about public perception and has voiced to the assembly on numerous occasions she does not want to appear to be off in her job or, you know, shirking her responsibilities uh, or trying to blow the administration. And he adds Wrangell's local government is leaner than its neighbors. We are operating a shadow staff to go to Petersburg and take a look at all the people they have. They have a deputy clerk, for God's sakes. I mean, they have, their departments are full of support people. We don't have any of that here. The position was not a part of the budget passed by Wrangell's Assembly in June and will require allocating more money through a budget amendment. It will be one of the highest paid positions in the borough in the same pay grade as the police chief, up to $120,000 per year, plus benefits. So far, the job is being advertised internally, and Prasanka says there's been at least one applicant. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News. A reminder that KCAW's Quiet Drive is now live. Become a new member, give an extra gift, or renew your donation by October 3rd, and you'll be entered into a drawing for a pair of round-trip tickets from Alaska Airlines anywhere they fly. Help us start our fall drive strong. Please go to kcaw.org, click on Donate, and thank you for your support. And looking at the weather forecast for today, Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. Mostly cloudy in the morning, becoming partly cloudy. Highs 61 to 67 degrees. Northwest winds around 10 miles per hour. And for tonight, you can expect increasing clouds, lows in the upper 40s, northwest winds around 10 miles per hour.